0: Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoy today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah, Listen, we're, we're on, we're on, we're going. Yeah. Right. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? I can't. I was actually going to look up and see when the last time it was just me and you. I feel like it wasn't that long ago. We did the we did the business one. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah. Yeah, um, but other, outside of that, we've just had like the girls have been on. We've had guests. Mm. So yeah, we've definitely uh,
1: lowered the 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 podcasting uh, sessions or the episodes between the two of us. Yeah, so I feel yeah, like I don't do them that often.
0: We feel like. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the fact that our downloads have gone up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like we've done less. Yeah, we're on less,
0: and now the downloads are higher. Mm, Interesting.
1: My feelings feelings are hurt already.
0: If you do like our episodes, guys, and you want us to keep doing them, (laughs) can you give us a screenshot and a share, just so we feel better about ourselves? Let us know if you like us. We need validation. Yes, please. Anyway, yeah, just because life talk is shit. Yeah. I just posted on social media that this is there's a high chance that this episode is going to be uh very heavily banter leaning.
1: That very small part of the community that doesn't like the banter just read the timestamps please. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you, yes, if you're already bored. <laughs> coming in hot. Tam, in hot. Tam, Tam has produced timestamps for you. Have a look at the picture <laughs> on, on your it. screen. If you're in the car, turn off car mode on Spotify. <laughs> be careful, do it at a stop sign. I'll pull over. Be responsible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how are you jason i'm good i'm doing all right i've uh i've adapted to this hermit life
0: yeah i'm actually feeling all right now hey
1: yeah i think first, um first three Sunday's sunday the really rough. worst day of the week i think sunday is just like a repeated, it's like a repeat of saturday and you've already done saturday like every oh, yeah. other day has kind of got its own thing sunday i'm like i don't train i've already watched like every movie you can i've already yeah. kind of done everything so i'm just yeah. like fuck today is literally like a nothing day but other than that it's good yeah i
0: have yeah. um i know what day it is on monday and tuesday the rest of yeah. the time is just a blur it's like
1: i don't know what's happening anymore yeah so lots of formal stuff on monday and tuesday yeah feel like a normal person and then after tuesday i'm just like fuck yeah uh, just gonna train and do some of the other stuff i should do yeah yeah Yeah.
0: but uh, yeah and but it's like i might not do that on thursday and do it on sunday because it's like it's not i can go anywhere yeah yeah it's the same day to me it doesn't matter still in my house yeah Um, Yeah.
1: i've just assumed like just dog parent mode just like take them everywhere yeah walk them take them for a drive i'm like this is like real house husband shit (laughs) i cook cook dinner every night yeah yeah it's uh, it's like uh, i've just assumed my role right now fuck Mm. it the yeah. next the next step for us is to try
0: and get Indy and Mav on the prison courtyard walk. Yeah.
1: I don't know if it's Mav's just too he's just too much, man. Like, think about if like you had a massive like think about if you had a body like the body you have now when you were like three. Yeah. And that's just not gonna it's not a good a good mix at all. That's what he's got. She's got an adult body with a with a baby's mind. He's yeah. Saying,
0: he's the happiest he's dog ever. I love him. He's the yeah, best. He's
1: the wrecking ball.
0: Yeah. I think he might be my favorite <laughs> dog outside of, of Indy. Sorry, <laughs> Dad. Sh- Shadow still
1: a <laughs> shit dog. <You're> <clears throat> Shadow. <laughs> Poor Shadow. She always gets, <laughs> she always gets such a bad... <laughs> uh, any dog that's nicknamed the shit dog. It's fucking... It <laughs> it's pretty savage. <laughs> <laughs> She that she's bad of a bad dog, either. Yeah. Like, to, to be fair, when she's shit dog-like. When she's not
0: around Indy, she's actually a pretty good dog. Yeah. But together, they're just fucking yeah. relentless, and I'm not going to hate my dog, so. Yeah. that would. <laughs> yeah, <that'd be, laughs>
1: yeah. How's training, bro? Really good. Um, I like. <laughs> I don't know why. I think like I just like got too heavy, and I was like, fuck, flash pretty hard at this weight. And then like, I kind of told myself I needed to drop some. And then like, I went on like a diet for about three weeks. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing this for? Like, I literally can wake up whenever I, well, not whenever I want, but I can sleep and I could go back to sleep. I feel like it. I can train for as long as I need to. I can eat as much as I want. Like, And I like, it's it's kind of stressful, but I've kind of gotten over it now. So it's like, it's not that stressful anymore, like everything. So I'm like, this is a low stress environment. It's like perfect time to grow. I'm yeah. never going to get an opportunity like this ever again, unless I like take up getting massive as a job, which is probably not going to happen. I feel like I've missed the boat <laughs> on that one. Uh, so yeah, I was like, fuck it. So I've just gone back on the, on the game train. And um, yeah, things are going good. Like I kind of feel like I dropped that little bit of weight and then um, like I, have I put weight back on, but it's just like better weight. Yeah. Like I don't feel like clothes fit differently and it feels fat. Like, yeah, I yeah. think it was a good idea to just like, have a yeah. phase of growth just do like two to three weeks of like just eating less food like that's a health like phase hey pretty much you know yeah. um i've got a treadmill too which is good so i've just been doing like 30 minutes every morning as soon as i wake up yep busted to maximize the benefits of you know lipolysis and, and all that stuff you know because you break the fast you're <laughs> done for the day no fat loss will happen do you make, make sure you have your amino acids though yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, um,
0: so yeah, that's pretty handy. Uh, it's been so pretty like we, handy, actually. We need a sarcasm button. You know how they talk about a sarcasm. Yeah. So yeah, people are
1: like, probably writing down right now, like, must do. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, we need a sarcasm sign.
0: <laughs> that soundboard Very that we never medium. Yeah, that soundboard that we never got to work.
1: So yeah, like, needs that, a
0: sarcasm button. The really expensive soundboard that. Yeah, Vernon wants to buy a soundboard. Just shoot us a DM. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see for a good price. <laughs> so we have no use for it (laughs) Um, well a we're not allowed in the same room right now yeah so that's way
1: easier like we got these mad setups now yeah mad remote setups yeah um but yeah train's good i'm happy with how things are cruising along i think like the bodybuilder cut for summer things kind of starting to get talk to me a bit like i'm talking about booking a holiday bit itchy um yeah, there's like really cheap flights at the moment. I'm like, fuck, I'm just gonna buy one, even if in the thought that we might be able to go somewhere. Yeah, you know, open up the borders and stuff. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking I might just go through the con, the pre-contemplation phase and go right. <laughs> if I were to cut for ten weeks, yeah, how aggressive could I do it? Yeah, and would I be able to stick to it? Like, what would I need to do? And then I have to look at it and go right. Could I actually do this? So, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it the other way.
0: (laughs) Like how much weight could I put on? How fat could I be? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And still be able to walk, sleep, wash my back, (laughs) squat. (laughs) It's like, how much rehab do I need to do? How much cardio will I have to do? Like, or or how much is that going to affect life? And then send it.
1: Yeah. That's, i I think I'm, I think I've done that. I think I did that phase. Like I, I, yeah, I, I got shredded for the wedding, which took a bit of my soul If I'm being honest. That's <laughs> like, cause I've been married for two years. It's just like, fuck, I just did so much walking. <laughs> yeah, a man can only fucking walk so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then after I got injured. So I think like, I was still like, oh man, cause I'm not moving as much. I better make sure I like, you know, don't eat a lot. And, you know, I don't want to get fat and, you know, like just poor relationships with like food and food and output and shit. But I've kind of like buried all of that. Not a problem, I <laughs> <laughs> share. So, um, so, yeah, I was like, I, I feel like I just was you know, ready to just go, I'm going to ride this growth phase for as high, like as long as I can. Mm. Um, and like push the boundaries too. Like, you know, we'll talk about these percentages of body fat that people like to say, talk about. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, if you're 12% or 15% after that, you're not going to maximize your growth and stuff. Like, um, I believe, and we spoke about this today, and other people still believe too, that it could be a little bit higher. And I, I still think that too. Yeah. Um, and I reckon it's like, you know, those people just get around like they're just a little bit kind of less lean than others. Like, yeah. You know, it's like those people probably, those margins push back too. You know, Mm. like I've never walked around as a very lean individual. Like Mm. me to get lean, I got to fucking try really hard. Yeah. So um, I've been, I've been really skinny, (laughs) not necessarily lean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's got to do with your lean body mass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think I just, it's kind of a a bit, a bit of fun. Like i have just good relationship with food, just eat, Mm. eat. I don't eat and like kind of, you know, have this like, oh, I'm full. I'm getting fat, whatever. Like, you know, so yeah um i'm in a good spot i think it's great at at a point now where like that
0: sort of sitting around fourth 4k calories it will probably go up hopefully today i imagine um where it's like now i'm at the point where it's like i'm not searching for shit food to hit it now it's like i can actually hit it from more good foods rather than like what's the highest calorie thing i can eat because i'm full and i don't want to eat anymore so it's
1: like I've, i've ticked over that gear which is nice yeah well that's a that's a i feel like that's an evolving uh process too like i've had a because i've had a lot of people jump on board the last month uh, two months methodology to prescribing uh calories and and carbohydrates like i use a really high carbohydrate method most of the time yeah um so yeah like everyone's like fuck man this is like too much like more carbs than i've ever had i'm like yeah yeah, i get that every time i set up a client (laughs) get used to it you will you will find a fucking way just do what you can and then all of a sudden yeah like they they use those really like carb dense foods and then you know some of them like oh this is junk food right that's a story for another day but yeah um eventually like they kind of have that really good foundation of like your whole grains your foods your fruits um you know those kind of your starches um and then you start to add in all those other things on top and it's like you know, you're done. Yeah. I see it straight away
0: with my skin. So like calories go up, skin goes to shit. I figure out how to eat better. Like at, at like yeah. get used to the food volume, food improves, incre- skin gets better, increase calories, <laughs> repeat the process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, training training here's been fun actually. I'm I'm hoping by the end of September I should have everything. Um, for yeah. my new home gym kit if you've been following my stories and you're wondering why i'm bench pressing out of a mono it's not just because i think my mono is really cool and that it's a good idea it's, i don't have a fucking bench um i'm also doing pull-ups out of my mono and rows out of my mono and squatting out of my mono and uh banded rows off my mono how,
1: how many exercises <laughs> yeah. can you potentially do off a monolith like, yeah it's a yeah. game
0: yeah, it's like, and like, how much value for the, how much money I spent on it can I get out of this <laughs> thing? <laughs> Maybe I'll do the same thing when my axe comes. It's like, yeah. How many things could I do? Yeah, try <laughs> and like, good morning on it, lunge on it, carbs yeah, on it. Yeah, I'm yeah. literally
1: only looking forward to it to actually use it for what it's for mm-hmm. and do fucking loaded calves. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing I miss. Yeah, I think um, I spoke to to Will about when we're
0: allowed, like, the next couple of blocks, it'll be, like, there'll be a day that'll be, like, day four will actually just be Jason's house. Yeah. It'll <laughs> just be, fuck like, it. hack hack squat and yeah. cables just so my joints can actually have a rest. If I can get a leg curl,
1: <laughs> leg extension, plate loaded one. Yeah, I'll be there once a week. And, yeah, like, I feel like I'll actually have, like, massive legs. Like, I think I'm just keeping them where they're at at the moment because it's kind of get, like, fuck. Squatting sucks. Like, it's such a shit fucking it's a shit pattern to grow like i don't care what anyone says fine yeah looking at
0: looking at my pictures right now yes yeah. <laughs> you want massive upper
1: thighs yes yeah, yeah squat yeah. yeah 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 it's like all i've done is like squat and lunge and a variation yeah. of that for the past six months like i was, I was telling I got you got
0: decent size quads anyway but telling you and aaron the other day that i like caught a mad quad pump my workout and i was like i'll oh, send the boys a picture when he took the phone, I was like, "Yeah, that photo is getting fucking deleted." Yeah. <laughs> it's like my shorts don't actually come up high I, enough to I show. Feel like where everybody's the mass is. done that. Everyone's yeah.
1: like, it's "Like the pump feels good," and you're just like, "Let's see what this looks like." And you're just like, "Oh, no one's seeing this."
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or like it even looks good in the mirror, and then your phone's like, "Nah, bro." Yeah, <laughs> you don't look like that. Isn't,
1: the phone. There's no smoking mirrors with the phone. Yeah, yeah, unless the lighting's really good.
0: Mm. But I feel like I finally sorted out my hips. So I might be actually able to build some legs. would be nice. Put some yeah. into them. Yeah, that's cool. A that's couple cool. of years of not really being able to put full volume through them. So I'm a bit exciting. Yeah, definitely. Maybe yeah. my squat will be 80% of my deadlift instead of 50.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that is that a thing or like it's just whatever?
0: Oh, like it's. It's going to depend on your morphology. Like, I've got stupid long arms. Yeah. Um, and always been strong through the back. So, like, deadlifts suit me. My bench press is pretty meh. Um, I think it is. Yeah. Maybe mid range. To be fair, I probably do okay with how long my arms are. Yeah. Um, but my squats are 40 kilos off my deadlifts. Yeah. So it's like, it's a pretty big jump. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. I, just, I always well, wondered, like, is the squat supposed to be the movement or is it the deadlift or
0: yeah it depends like you look at the, the go-to guys that i always think about that are the, the best example is having watching seb and will compete against each other for so long yeah. it's like seb comes out of the squat 20 30 kilos ahead and then crozier wins because he deadlifts more yeah. um yeah it just depends on your your morphology most yeah. of the time yeah yeah it makes sense should we talk about something productive
1: yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah, some of the audience might be getting a bit salty. Right?
0: Yeah, right. all right. So, Tan, this is the first time stamp of things that are actually important. <laughs> uh, do you want to do... So, we're, the guys, we're just going to unpack our articles because um, we know you haven't read them, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> we all this hard
1: work, guys. So now we've yeah. got to actually tell them speaking yeah. to you as well.
0: Yeah, we'll just assume you're in the car and give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, so, you want to go into exercise selection? for muscle growth? Uh, yeah
1: sure yeah cool so um most recent article that i unpacked was considerations for exercise selection are uh, more around uh it being specific to muscle growth there's like one place where i guess the most amount of i feel the most amount of bias lies with more so coaches and selecting them for themselves and their clients it's definitely within that like we've spoken about it before this like these camps of like barbell anti-barbell you know you're this you're either this or that um and i think that when it comes to removing having to be good at a movement because that's part of the sport so we will use powerlifting as the example there so if you remove the fact that you would need to squat bench and deadlift from that sport you could use anything mm. to be you know stronger at something yeah. so I think that's um, a, a, when you think about it like that for muscle growth, it's it's solely stimulus specific. It's not, you have to do this movement. Um, so, you know, when you read the articles and you see the clickbait and it's like, you know, do this movement to maximize you know, the only movement you need to do for chest, like, I see that that's just a load of shit. Um, <laughs> and when you guys read the article, you'll have a better understanding of. Kind of like how to unpack exercise selection what are some things to think about yeah so where do you start putting together a program for your exercise selection uh so i do the like so the goals are, are first and the volume for me is uh then uh, after that mm-hmm. and then i would select the exercises based off where the volume is being distributed to yep Um, and I will select exercises based off like the way someone looks mainly. Mm -hmm. So I would go, right. This person's got, you got massive quads. You're not doing a lot of work on those probably in one, in a, in a phase. And then I'm just going to pick movements that I know for that particular person, how they move. How could I challenge that, you know, stretch position, shorten position? How could I get a mid range position, you know, and do the most amount of work? Um, just get a sufficient stimulus with the amount of work they've got. So that's generally like how I would work with that. And like, I think most people um, like most coaches, like maybe understand that it's like, you know, if you look at muscle structure, because that's the first stop point that I've got on the article. So if you understand, like we've got all these different, like types of skeletal muscle, um, they're shaped in, a diff- in, in different fashions and the way they're shaped gives us an indication of like how they lengthen and shorten and like what they would do to locomote the skeleton. So an example would be like a, like a parallel muscle is exactly what it is. It's just like more lengthened and, you know, kind of short and long. Mm-hmm. So a bicep is a, well, the biceps brachii is a really good example of that. Like, you know, how that shortens and lengthens is really easy. It just kind of gets closer and, and longer. Um, And that's kind of how it flexes the elbow and supinates the forearm. But there's muscles like the pectoralis major, which is like more of a convergent muscle. So it's like got a single point that converges out over a broader kind of space. So it's like clavicle, it's got sternum, rib cage, all the way up into the shoulder. So they're all going to converge into that single point on different angles. So that gives us an indication that that particular muscle can be trained in a multi-planar fashion. So we could use different positions, different angles, you know, different uh, modes of resistance, which you can do with other exercises as well, um, and that gives us an understanding of like, okay, to completely stimulate this muscle, I need to ensure that I'm working in a couple of different angles, and if I can see that that muscle is developed in a way that's maybe not symmetrical or I need more work done on the upper. Upper clavicular head of that pec. I'm going to do movements that are going to challenge that position a little bit more, and then I'm going to do less movements that are going to be, you know, in that more dominant kind of position of that pec. Like if we look at yourself, for example, big rib cage flares out at the bottom. Do a lot of bench press. Your lower pec's huge. Upper pec not so much because you don't spend a lot of time there. Mm. So we've got to, if we wanted that chest to be bigger we would be like, okay, cool. Let's put it in the incline position. Let's do some flies. Let's do some, you know, kind of pronated flies. Maybe let's do some incline, you know, let's try and challenge that part a little bit more, those fibers a little bit more. So when my adjustable bench comes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that you can work off your, yeah, out of the mono, <laughs> out of, out of the mono with as well. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, I think that, that that's a really important thing to know. Mm. um it's important to know the other types of muscles too just because like some of them like we talk about this contractile range we talk about these muscles shortening and lengthening but some of them don't shorten and lengthen that much mm-hmm. and they don't move a lot so if we place them in a position where the range of motion isn't big a lot of people think that those muscles don't get stimulated enough and that's that's not entirely correct because the way some of the muscles are shaped suggests that they don't move a lot, so something like a leg press. And if we look at like a pennate muscle, which has a tendon running through it and fibers either on one side or both sides of the muscle, so we've got bipennate, multipennate, um, and pennate uh, in nature, so it's like one, two, or multiple with the tendon running through, those actually converge outwards. So, there, in uh, an example of that, is Uh, rectus femoris in the quad. Um, If we do something like a leg press, for example, um, those muscles aren't moving a lot in terms of like you looking at the range of motion of the movement, but the muscle's getting stimulated and they're doing what they need to do within that movement. So they're going to get sufficient stimulus for growth. Yep. So I think that that's really important to understand because a lot of people look at something like a leg press and go like, oh, it's a really short range of motion, so it's shit. Um, And they only look at the angle of the knee and like what's happening just in terms of like biomechanics, but it's like, you could just be doing enough just to stimulate those fibers in the quad, do something else to do a deep movement. Lots of, um, you know, like hip drops below the knee, lots of knee flexion, like ask the calf kind of shit, like a hack squat or something. And it's like, cool. You've like, you know, fulfilled the stimulation of other muscles in that quad and or other parts of that muscle. You move on. So I think it's good to understand that if we are looking at this from a muscle growth stimulus perspective, having that general understanding of these muscles, what they do, the shape of them, and all that gives us a really good insight on like how to train them. All right. So moving on from you know kind of understanding this muscle structure stuff, how these um, different muscles are shaped and whatnot, it's important to then well they give us an under Understanding of like, you know, how these muscles move the skeleton is still super important to have a really good in-depth knowledge of that because we want to train these, these muscles through their full, you know, kind of lengthened and shortened position. So knowing their actions, gives us really good understanding. Easiest example is that bicep it, you know, flexes, uh, the elbow and supinates the forearm. So if we did want to kind of stimulate that bicep through its full, uh, contract range of tension, then we need to train it through that full range. So it's like making sure that we have neutral position um, all the way into a supinated position with the elbow flexed. Um, If you don't have an understanding of that, then it's like, we don't really kind of know why we're selecting movements. It's like, it's like the person that does um, like a million different, like pressing patterns for legs. It's like, why are you doing so many squatting patterns for legs when you haven't got an extension pattern or, they're all like, you know, there's no deep knee flexion pattern or anything like that. So I probably don't have a really good understanding of what those muscles do um, and those workouts are going to get affected from that. Um, and obviously we'll talk about it later, but that that may kind of alter the exercise selection as, uh, like is in the order, sorry. Yeah. Um, as well, because, you know, how you organize that workout will um, affect like how, I guess like, stimulating those movements are from a hypertrophy perspective because the longer we train, the less stimulatory they get or the less effective they get. So um, we need to make sure that we strategically put exercises in for a specific reason and a specific order. Um, so then we move on and we talk about this. So this is the grand debate. We've spoken about this so many fucking times and it's like, what's better compound movement or an isolation movement. Now, of course, we're going to say it depends, context, all the boring shit, but it's true. We don't say that um, anymore. Especially, Jason.
0: what was that? We don't say that anymore. No, I, I came out on social media and said that's it's a cop out, <laughs> so we're not going to say it anymore.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, I'll, I'm definitely going to dive deeper regardless. So um, even if we did say that one was better than the other, like looking at the situation I'm in right now, I've been moving a barbell for fucking months, mm. um, which I never would do. Uh, but I'll do it if I have to. So it's kind of shows that everything's effective. It's just like things change when you train a specific way. So I thought the best thing to do is actually look at the trade-offs. Now I'll talk about all the time. It's like everyone sits there and looks at what the benefits to everything are. It's like, oh, but you know, working with a barbell activates more muscle. It's like, okay, but what's the trade-off to that? Not many people kind of go down that rabbit hole. Always looking at the good shit mm-hmm. so looking at the, looking at the pros of the compound movements like it looks pretty good it's like it activates and uses large amounts of muscle mass in a single movement it's pretty time efficient for stimulating large amounts of muscle mass too so if you've got these restrictions um you know you can only work out for a certain amount of time like sweet yeah use them like super super effective um generally you can uh lift a lot of weight too when you use a compound movements multiple muscle groups involve multiple joints generally so they're very favorable for things that you where you want to move lots of weight. And you know, maybe if you were interested in being stronger, um, these movements would be quite good to do um, over more isolated movements. If you've got a big ego, it's probably good too. I thought <laughs> I'd throw that in there. It's not in the notes, but what are you saying? I'm just throwing it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> you get offended, mate. That's your problem, <laughs> not mine. Um now, like I've probably missed a lot, but like they're the main ones. So then moving on to the cons of uh, using compound exercises. So movements are more technical in nature. There's more moving parts. More moving parts, the technical demand goes up. You know, the person needs to be really good at those. They need to practice a little bit more. Uh, Breakdowns in movements can come from other things than volitional fatigue of the target muscles. That's probably like my biggest gripe when we talk about Hypertrophy specific training and using lots of compound exercises is like where's the breakdown coming from? It's like there's lots of there's lots of things could that could break down that may not be you pushing that muscle to a point where it cannot perform anymore. You know, it's most likely technical. We're moving in a way that's tiring another part of the body that's got nothing to do with the movement. So I think that that's a really big one just to throw out there. I'm not saying it's the reason why everyone should go and do isolation exercises, but we need to, we need to address that one. And then the last one I put is like, some people don't fit, some lifters don't fit the mechanical profile for some compound movements, making them very poor for hypertrophy. So we you know, talk about the back squat, People argue that it's, you know, the movement that has to be in everyone's program. And, you know, it's the king exercise for building massive legs, but I can show you some people where it would be the worst fucking exercise to grow muscle. There's no range of motion. It doesn't stimulate the quads. They might have to use something like a low bar position to make depth. It's like they're essentially doing like a deadlift with the weight on their back. Deadlift twice a week. Yeah. So we need to, again, throw that out there and go, for this specific person, this doesn't apply. So we can't have these biases and go squats are king exercise for growth. Every person must do it to build big quads. So there's people out there, you're gonna snap this fine. If you're doing that, people out there that probably already have. Yeah. So then we we flip the coin and we go, cool, let's throw out the pros and cons to the isolation exercises. So the pros are, it's a great way to centralize work in a target muscle. So you put yourself in the position, it's fixed. You know, to set the machine up properly, you can really centralize the work there. It's really cool for beginners. You can kind of like go, "Hey, this is the movement that we're, or the muscle that we're trying to stimulate." You put them in the position. Positions act like positions activate muscles, in my opinion. If you put someone in a position right, the muscle's going to work. So that's a really cool way of starting that process of like just building the sensory mechanisms and feelings to like what that movement's supposed to be. Um, for a person. So I think it's a great thing to do. Uh, it's a great way to increase the stimulus. Um, but try and mitigate a lot of the fatigue, um, compared to like a barbell exercise. So if I'm trying to accumulate volume in a program, I'm most likely going to do that via a leg press or a leg extension over accumulating things like a squat. And it's only because I can get a lot of work and a lot of fatigue or peripheral fatigue in the muscle, but it's not really going to affect like the joints of the knees and the back and things like that. So it's about the trade off. And I see the trade off being, I can put more work there than a squat. Like if I'm going to build an extra squat every week in a mesocycle for someone, that's highly likely going to blow someone out compared to building it on a leg press.
0: Yeah. We literally had that discussion this morning, even from a powerlifting standpoint. It's like yeah. we, we won't taper volume like sets, over over a mesocycle for the like the prime lifts it's like you do that in the the isolation stuff
1: yeah yeah um moving like following on from that dot point it's using isolation isolation exercises is a great way to work to volitional fatigue it's safe it's areas that can break down like you're in a position where all you got to do is stop doing the movement the machine goes back to where it needs to go the dumbbell kind of goes down you're in a safe environment there's not a lot of load um, so I think that they're great for hypertrophy specific training. Like, you know, where if I, which I never would do say to someone like train to failure on a squat, <laughs> like, you know, that's just fucking dangerous. Um, it can be done. I'm not saying it can't be, but it's just like, where, what's the trade off? Yeah. You know, it's a big cost. You do that? what was that?
0: Even if you did it well, such a big cost.
1: yeah yeah, that's it and Mm. could you do it like could you do it for eight weeks in a program Mm -mm. every week Mm. could you do that like train to that i I just don't think you could so or you if you can good on you but i don't think a lot of people can get away with it um and then the last the last one is obviously like in most cases the movements are very simple obviously like isolation means less moving parts um they're easy to learn and execute so i'm not I'm not against taking a beginner through those isolation exercises um, you know, and a combination of those like kind of complex movements. Cause I kind of feel like they cross over in terms of learning, like we've spoken about. It's like, I just feel like it's at week six, if you spent time leg extension, leg pressing and squatting, rather than just being the super technical squatter, would they both kind of meet at the same point, but that person who did more exercise selection, get better buying, get better results. Mm just kind of feel like from a PT perspective and maybe like in my space, like body composition perspective, I'm going to work on that side. Yeah. Like I'm not going to spend six weeks, like being super technical with someone's squats. If I can get an outcome doing some other stuff and train it into them.
0: Yeah. I would take that approach even with strength people, to be honest, like work capacity, volume, hypertrophy, like all of those things are going to come from training. So like, instead of if I can fix your squat and if we have time today, we'll talk about the progression regression model. But like, if, if I have other ways to make your squat better than sitting in the gym for 30 minutes, trying to make your squat better when you could be training, it's like, let's just fucking do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just so much like such a better concept from like a buy-in from the client, you doing more, mm. like, you giving them more, like long-term, they're just going to get way more benefit out of it. Um, I feel like the people that don't take that route are just the ones that like pride themselves on like knowing so much shit about a squat. Mm. And they just like want to like push that onto another person. Like, no, 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 I know heaps about squat and you've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but like at what benefits to the client? Like, you know, yeah. put yourself in their shoes. Do they really want to listen to all that stuff? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then going over the cons of these isolation movements. So there's a smaller degree of muscle activation compared to a compound movement. This means that they require less energy to be, to be performed. So you look at it from that perspective, less muscle activation, less energy requirements. You know, there's your argument. Like, especially if like we're thinking about that time. So we don't have a, t- we don't have a lot of time in the gym. So like might not be valuable to spending too much time doing these. Cause you are gonna have to do lots of different exercises to get this stimulation of this whole body hypertrophy, what you need to. Yep. So you might be better off using some compound movements then. Uh, there's less involvement of stabilizer muscles um, which could lead to movement and dysfunction issues so we spend too much time depending on how your program is designed you spend too much time in this isolation environment working specific muscles and you're not having a what would you call like a global a global approach to just like how that person moves and like you know we spoke about in our hypertrophy roundtable. like i still and i agree with dean like i think that we still have an obligation to try and address some function stuff for a bodybuilder, even though like, you know, I was like Mr. Tin Man about what was it, like 12 months ago or something like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, just taking that approach of like, all right, well, I probably should do some like, you know, stuff where like I'd to gait gate cycle, do some more hunting movements, do some more like reaching and, mm. Uh, like cross body shit but like it's just about the percentage of it that you do yeah, it's that it's that venn diagram that i, I don't know if we talked about it on the
0: podcast but we definitely like we went over it in the seminar and stuff it's like any trainee that we probably work with um, any lifter let's just call them that is gonna have three areas that overlap together so you're gonna have strength you're gonna have hypertrophy you're gonna have function so it's just how much time you spend in each one of those circles that it's going to make the difference. Like a physique athlete is probably going to spend more time in hypertrophy, a little bit of time in strength sometimes, and then just enough time in function. Yeah. Whereas a, a powerlifter spends majority of their time in strength. And I think this is like, we had um, obviously Laura on a couple of weeks ago talking about weak glutes and stuff and how there's such a big pushback around that as a lot of it was like people started going too far to function. It's like, you still need to fucking lift weights. So it's like, (laughs) you spend your time in strength and then do enough function to allow you to continue to do the strength. And then like, okay, the strength isn't working anymore. Let's do some hypertrophy.
1: So I have more muscle to make do the strength. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. So I kind of like summarize all the cons into that. There was like four dot points, but I kind of just set them all together. Um, so then I guess I come to the conclusion, like, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the taco kid, isn't it? It's like, you know, have both yeah. where you can, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's still important, like to do these compound exercises. Some of them are extremely valuable. Like they, they, they activate a lot of muscle, but there's going to come to a point with an athlete or a lifter along the spectrum of their training age, where you're going to have to go, this particular muscle needs this. You need more volume here. You need to stimulate this particular area. You're going to put them in situations that are probably more isolated to centralize the work there. And I think that that's just the, that that's the the thought process you need to have behind it. Mm. It's like, how do I train this muscle rather than going, I need to do this exercise because that activates the quads. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't do that for everybody. So it's like Ben moves this way. How do I get his quads to, lengthen and shorten for this particular exercise under this resistance profile this line of force i'm going to use this exercise this exercise and that exercise and with this amount of volume it's highly likely that we're going to hypertrophy his legs providing that he does all the other things outside of his program touchwood yeah. touch wood and i don't really <laughs> think the argument there needs to be an argument outside of that like i just yeah. don't i don't really get it man like um and then like I guess the one consideration that I didn't talk about was like the recovery demand of barbell versus machine work, and how volume's such an important thing an important tool I'm going to call it, because like we're getting too bought into the volume shit at the moment, like people are just like, you know if a little bit's good, more's better, so let's just fucking send it forty sets of body part yeah um like doing more barbell exercises, like you've got to control that eccentric. There's more muscle damage to that. You do more sets on it. You're going to require more recovery time. Most likely going to do less work um, because of that, or your mesocycle is going to be shorter. You're going to have to deload sooner, you know, those things. So just having that understanding of like the advantages and disadvantages of both of them and where you can manipulate those into the favor of the athlete. It's just super important to know because then you don't get bought into anything like you just do what that person needs to do. And then obviously considerations for like just real life, like looking at me right now, like I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm at home in a garage with a fucking squat rack and a cable. Like Yeah. I, just, I had this mental you know?
0: image when you did the, like the taco kit. It's like, why don't we have both? But instead of, you know how the ad it cuts to all the people throwing the little girl in the air. Yeah. It's like my joints are like, why don't we have both? And then it cuts to Dan Andrews, like stage four lockdown. My joints are like, yeah, oh.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get political. Don't ever mention <laughs> No, no I, wasn't,
0: I wasn't being political. Don't ever mention denial
1: <laughs> on this podcast again, mate. All right? Poke Jason the bear. <laughs> uh, my goodness. Um, all right. So moving on with something more productive than politics. Uh, I thought it was then important to move on to these individual considerations. So we talked about, you know, Exercise selection and looking at the morphology and anthropometrics of the client. It's just like, how are they put together? How do they move? Super important. You got long arms, you got long legs, you got a long body, short body. You know, all of these things. You know, if your rib cage is flared, if it's shallow, where you put yourself in positions on a flat bench, incline, decline is going to differ from person to person. Like me and Ben setting up on a flat bench looks totally different in terms of line of force on a muscle. Yep. So, these things do need to be considered. The other thing to consider is skill level of the client, you know, like how good are they at moving? How good are they at performing movements? You know, sometimes compound exercises and lots of them are just too hard. Like people don't have the bandwidth to do this squad into this lunging complex into this exercises. I like do some complex shit when there's low fatigue and concentrations high for this particular person and move on to some, some simple shit as they get tired yeah like that's the they, i said that in a very intelligent way but that's kind of as simple as it needs to be for for the audience it's like um a, a really good understanding of that. and then it's like you know can this person work to volitional fatigue because that is a skill as well so it's like can that person challenge themselves to train their quads biceps triceps chest whatever to the point where the muscles won't Pull towards each other anymore because the internal environment says no, you know, or the brain says no, yeah. Um, and that's kind of something that may be more advantageous to learn in a safer environment with a machine in an isolated situation rather than working with something more complex, yeah. So, considerations for that, too. Um, and then the last one is just access to equipment, which we talked about, yeah. So, it's all good and well to have these exercises that we like, you know, we we're talking about. It's like my favorite exercises Like for the legs. It's like hack squat, probably safety bar, lunge, leg extension. I love the safety bar so much. Yeah. If I could have those four exercises, well, all I need is a leg extension. I've got it at home. So those four exercises, I would do them every program in different loadings for the rest of my days, Mm. because I don't really need to do anything else. Like I feel like, they stimulate what I, they need to stimulate. It feels good for me. Yeah, I can move on. Maybe sw- switch the hack for a leg press. And yeah,
0: like, I, you know, I would just add maybe like for a physique athlete, maybe just like some kind of split stance work,
1: like a, a Bulgarian or something like that. Who needs to? Who needs to? Just for, to do no. just we're, for doing we're doing we're doing lunges. We're doing lunges. Right? <laughs> oh, I said lunges. Sorry, oh, lunges instead of safety bar. Yeah. So, okay. I, no, I, I said to you yesterday it was lunges instead of safety but I'll, yeah. I'll bugger that up just there. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like access is super super important. Yeah. Um, so then we spoke about exercise order, and I think it's important to mention it quickly because um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But it's like now we need to think about like where these movements play out in a program. Now there's pretty good information that gives us an understanding that the longer we train, the less effective the exercises get, mm-hmm. and it's because of build up of fatigue. It changes the way we think perform, make decisions, control our body. So it makes more sense to put the movements where the weaknesses of that person or the central focus of the program at the start of every workout. So if I'm working on my calves, which I will do when the gym opens or when I get my hack squat, I'm going to do calves at the start of every session because I'm going to put the maximum effort there. Chest and shoulders is pretty, pretty good for me. I'm, I'm pretty happy with those they're most likely going to be at the end Mm. because I don't really need to train them that much right now. They're not a central or a focal point of the program. So it makes more sense to put them at the end. Another thing to consider is like, where are you the most strongest? Mm. Could you put the movements that you're the most strongest at the end and potentially more stable, like a bench press, for example, like, I don't mind doing bench press at the end of my session. If I've done some flies at the start and I've done some other variations, dips, whatever. And I go, cool. Last exercise, really stable. Probably lift a a little less weight than I do overall. It's probably not bad for my joints and good for my muscles. Mm. So I know John Meadows is a really big fan of that. So if you don't take my thoughts for it, go listen to the mountain dog speak Mm. because he's all about it. He's like, put your strongest movement, about two or three exercises into your session." And he said, for the sake of your joints yeah. and longevity in the sport, he said, your body will thank you for it. And this is a dude who got his pro card at like 45 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still fucking great shape yeah. now. So the last one, which I think is probably the most important for us with this, this message that we send these coaches that we try to develop, well, sorry, that we do develop in the coaches Academy you know, the how we present ourselves and and, and act as a as, as a business and a brand is removing personal bias. Mm. Now, before I start, I guess like it's important to understand that like we we're trying to remove it as much as possible. Like I still feel, based off your knowledge, based off your experience, based off the person, based off where you are, this you're still going to be biased towards certain things but it would be at a really minimal level
0: yeah i feel like it's the difference between style and bias
1: yeah that's probably a better way of describing it yeah if you have a style style. like you and i both have
0: styles when we write programming yeah if you put them down on paper like and gave the even if we gave them to our guys they'd be like jace wrote that ben wrote that they would just know um but it's it's like like you said removing that identity of you have to do X or Y movement or you have to exercise or it has to be this yeah. way or whatever. It's just like, I'd like doing it's it this up. way. because it works for well. But if I need to change it for an individual, yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the intention is like, it's set up for the client. It's not really about me. Yeah. You know, I have to like sit, stick to my guns and be like, Oh, in that video, you said this was great. So, you know, so I'm like, oh, I have to put this in every program there. Mm. So yeah, I think it's important to, to understand like, We're we're trying to work with all these variables for the the best intentions of the client. I'll put it in here as a little um, quote. I'm just going to try and find it, but um, basically you need to set everything up for the wants and needs of the individual. There's nothing in there that should be based around your own biases towards anything. If you look at this, from the wants and needs of the person we're pretty much done Mm. in terms of like how you come you you go around about sorry putting these programs together yeah if you think about like if you hear someone saying like voicing strong opinions around towards certain movements for, for growth it does make me question like whether they're programming based on them or the person like i just don't I just don't subscribe to that. And that's where like, if I do see these clickbaity videos and like the only exercise you need to know for, for this and, and and whatnot, like it's either like they're just trying to get clicks to obviously like get their you know monthly um, YouTube bill um, or they just don't have what I spoke, I speak about in the last paragraph of this is like an understanding of all of the moving parts from a global perspective, which should remove your bias. So it's like, if we look at... What we need, the components that we need to create a sufficient training stimulus for growth. We need a high amount of mechanical tension on our muscles, training them through their full action and contractile range, with a relevant dose of volume and effort. If we look at it from that perspective, which should they should govern the decision making of everything, mm. it's like we don't there goes your personal bias. Yep. You've got your style, but nothing's bound to anything. Mm-hmm. It's like solely just working with the needs requirements and wants of the client. And I know I've said that a lot, but it's super important to know because that's what we're doing. Yeah, It's why we're doing this. So we're coaches, we're hired for a job, we're hired mm-hmm. to get an outcome. Anything to add?
0: No, I like it. I like it. I think um, what we could do, because if we open another article, we'll be here for another hour is maybe just come back through it and, and look at the, the parallels that we share from strength coaching to programming for hypertrophy and maybe what identify a couple of the differences. Um, yeah. So primarily, the difference between programming for strength and programming for hypertrophy is going to be, one's going to be around a movement pattern and one's going to be around a muscle group. Yep. So if your outcome is powerlifting is the easiest one, cause it quantifies what lifts you have to train for then. So if you just assume if I say someone training for strength is trying to get a big one RM on the squat bench and deadlift, then we want to do stuff that makes you better at squat bench and deadlift. So we want to improve those patterns. That's the outcome. So when we were, if you and I were to both get a new client, we would, I would ask, Hey, can you send me a video of your squat bench and deadlift? And you would say, Hey, can you send me a front side and rear relaxed? Pretty much. Yeah. And then you would want to see how they move. And I would want to see what their physique looks like. So, but first I want to see how you move. Then I want to have a look at your physique and kind of go, Oh, you got good quads, shit hamstrings, shit glutes, upper backs lacking. That's probably why this looks like this, but, or that's just like a a thing that you've maybe neglected in your training that's causing may cause these issues may not. Whereas you're going, okay, this is what your physique looks like. Now I want to see how you move so I can load those muscles effectively.
1: Yeah. And I think that the longer you do this as a, as a physique coach or bodybuilding coach, like, and, and some of the, I think the more experienced coaches would attest to this too, is when you look at someone's physique, you can get an indication of how they move. Mm. And then that's when you're like, Send me a video of how you row. Send me a video of how you press. Send me a video of how you do this. Because like either they just program like dominant muscle groups and underdeveloped ones are probably a combination of two things. Programming volume in an area too much and not enough somewhere else or just moving in a way that's not effectively stimulating those muscles. Yeah. So you need to go, right, give me a look at how you've trained in the past. Yeah. That's going to be a super important variable, no matter what you're asking anyway, because you need to know what they've done, um, and what's worked and what hasn't. And then, you, yeah, then you're like, okay, send me, send me a video of you doing this exercise, that exercise, and then you're like, okay, so here's the reason why your delts are so massive, and your lats are so small. Yeah. When you row, you pretty much use your delts way too much. That's because yeah. of this, 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 and that. Yeah. 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 So then, so breaking like down. Yeah.
0: So breaking down, we obviously have muscle structure here and you use the, mentioned the term like morphology throughout this conversation. It's like, instead of looking necessarily at um, muscle structure as a strength from like a strength coaching lens, I want to look at your morphology structure. So like, how, how do you set up when you squat? How do you move when you squat Um, compared to how you deadlift? Are you deadlifting twice a week? because there's so much hinge in your squat um, is your bench press like 800 meters because your arms are so long. Do you pull sumo? Do you pull conventional? Do you pull some hybrid in between thing? Do you pull with a um, some form of kyphosis or do you pull with like an extended lumbar spine? Like how does all of that set up? How are you placed in all of that? And then the exercise selection is going to come based off that. So how you so you're going to have your prime squat which most people if they're new like novices you can kind of manipulate that however you want most people in that sort of mid-range intermediates and above they kind of know what squat works for them in terms of being able to move the most weight so they've played with it you might be able to make a few changes move feet here put bar position there a little bit of a tweak but how they squat is kind of figured out by that point usually So then we need to go, okay, so what imbalances is that creating that's preventing you from progressing? So maybe we need to spend some time if you're a hingy squatter, maybe we need to look at some time where we're creating lots of depth, lots of forward knee drive, putting load through the quads, those types of patterns. So that will affect my accessories. So like I might look at a front squat or a, Um, handle down safety bar squat to try and get you into that position. Counterbalance squats for warm ups. open up, you having hip issues because you're hinging all the time. Let's open that up with these. So it's understanding like the way someone is put together to then be able to program effectively around that and get the progress you're looking for.
1: Yeah. I guess like you guys probably thinking things like, um, like the chain, the chain of, uh, muscles and joints involved in the movement as well. And like some, sometimes like isolating a specific segment to, you know, make that squat, for example, better. So like, mm-hmm. you know, like using that, <clears throat> that single cable bicep curl as an example. And it's like getting the, using the bicep as a stabilizer of the shoulder in abduction, um, which is going to, you know, train that position to like be out here and like have mm-hmm. that bar there. It's like, that's probably another thing that like you guys are thinking about it's way different to us. Like if I wanted a movement like that, I'm like, Hey, I can get the bicep pretty much as short as possible, you know, in this position. So I'm going to train that, but I'm not yeah. training it as a, as stabilizer. A, a stabilizer of the scap. Yeah. Um, you know, in horizontal abduction, like, yeah, it's just like this, the, the thought process is totally different, yeah, definitely. but you could use, you could do it for the same movement.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you could end up with the same thing in the program for totally different reasons or have something totally worlds apart based on your assessment of someone's physique. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think one of the biggest differences is like working down the chain of like, when you're talking about like compound versus isolation, if you want to be, if you're measuring strength by your ability to perform the squat bench in the deadlift, you're doing prime compound movements. Like you, at some point you're going to have to do those lifts to test if you're stronger in those lifts. So you have to, right. And I think, uh, and this is, I guess, I don't know if it's a bias or a style, but I think my my goal is to have everybody in a f- functional enough that they could squat bench and deadlift in if they wanted to. I don't have to, but I want to make sure that they move well enough that they could. That's that's a goal from just a general human function standpoint for me. So, but from, from a, coming back to a strength standpoint, it's like if I'm going to work through a progression regression model, I'm looking at, okay, I can't just low bar squat for 15 sets a week to train the squat pattern because you will die. And <laughs> You're not going to want to come back Fair next not. week. Yeah. So, and if I did that for every movement, it's going to suck ass, be boring and beat the shit out of you. And you probably won't improve. So it's like, okay, the same rules still apply that um, you summed it up really succinctly. And I don't want to butcher it, but that concept of like a, a reasonable or an educated amount of intensity and volume needs to be accumulated over a week. I can't do that from just squatting. So how do I reduce systemic fatigue, build volume, but in a way that's still contributing to improving the squat. So that might be, you have squats one day, you have safety bar squats. Another day I can reduce the load. You move through a slightly different pattern, but it's still going to carry over really closely to the squat. But again, if we just did those two exercises, probably not going to get sufficient volume in particularly like we're talking off season at the moment because that's just where my brain is and no one's competing. So most people are there anyway, unless you live in Queensland. And if you do fuck you guys. Um, (laughs) So when we're working down the chain, it's like, okay, well, I still need to add more volume. Then I can go, and this is just using the volume lens. Yeah. Like we're not even touching on dysfunctions or, or deficiencies or anything like that yet. Then it's like, okay, I could do a leg press, which would allow me to use lots of load, uh, train a similar pattern, hypertrophy the muscles that I want to target. And that's going to have nice carryover. Then further down the chain. Sweet. Now we're looking at like maybe a leg extension or something like that with that's primarily literally just like make that muscle bigger so it can produce more force. Yep. So the thought process is still, even with a leg extension, how do I link that to being better at squatting? Yep. That's, that's probably the biggest difference. We're not thinking about necessarily what's going on internally in the muscle all the time. Yep. It's more, how, how is this going to that links? Yeah. Research. It's that said principle, right? So specific adapate, adaptation to impose demand. How can I use this exercise in this rep range in this part of the program and this um, part of the workout to facilitate the outcome that I'm trying to produce, which is be better at squatting. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, and the pros and cons for compounds and isolations are the same. It's looking at that for the fatigue ratio, I think plays a bigger role in strength. So like I like yeah. you said, you, you have to use barbells if you're going to get, if your goal is to get strongest, like your strongest. So then it's, it's like looking at, okay, when can we, remove barbells to facilitate potentially more overall volume less fatigue greater hypertrophy stimulus etc and kind of interchanging those rather than right like you would never write a strength athlete a machine-based program yeah or you'd be pretty rare
1: yeah i don't think it'd be maybe if they just wanted a month off (laughs)
0: Yeah, or it's just like yeah,
1: I just want to look good on
0: or something like. Yeah, just, let's do a dieting phase or something. Yeah, yeah, but very rarely, very very rarely. Yeah, it wouldn't be with the intent of getting better at the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be specific to the like to powerlifting.
0: Yeah, yeah, individual considerations. Then, like I said, we were talking about this this morning. Um, there's like certain assumptions that we even have in our our programming model, like. Uh, And we've talked about on the podcast before, like a deadlift is typically more uh, taxing and has a greater fatigue demand than most squats, but not all squats. So Mm. individual considerations, like how much squat volume can you handle if your squat pattern is inefficient versus how much deadlifting, if your deadlift is super efficient. um, If you're Aaron Sim, who's fucking arms touch his ankles and you can pick up 300 kilos, but only moves four inches. Then it's like, well, maybe that's not a very taxing exercise. You might be able to deadlift twice a week, but your squat is quite challenging, or your bench is quite challenging, so you can't bench yeah. as much as somebody else might be able to with short arms and a big, like, big chest, like a saboreb kind of build. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, those individual considerations come into that. Again, somebody like that, how do we effectively train pressing patterns, knowing that there's going to be instability potentially or uh inability to to contract well just because we've got these fucking levers all over the place and controlling range of motion is going to be challenging so then we might be looking at okay for this person to train the muscles that are involved with the bench press or to train the pattern that's involved with the bench press we may need a different exercise selection than we would for jason who can just lay on a bench without an arch and still have a short range of motion Not, not a stab, slight stab. (laughs) Working for me. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Um, Exercise order, again, like we're pretty much in the same boat. There you're going to start with your most complex. You're going to start with your weakness. Uh, The model that we're working on at the moment is actually, if you guys have read the latest article, which is talking about reference lines and assessing movement, the next stage from there is once you find a weakness in movement or a deficiency, not a weakness, Um, what is that deficiency? Is it strength? Is it movement? Is it dysfunction? And then your exercise order will actually differ. So like you were saying, instead of like, I've got weak pecs, it's like, I've got a, um, inability to keep my thoracic extension throughout a squat. Is it a skill thing? Is it a strength thing? We identify that and then your order is going to be different. If it's a skill thing, then, maybe we're having you do counterbalance squats before your main movement to train that position and build the skill. And then you get into that. If it's a strength thing, maybe we're training that primary lift, but then your accessories are also going to challenge thoracic extension to build more strength in that pattern or in that position. If it's a dysfunction thing and you actually can't get into the position that's required, then you're going to be going through a prehab rehab phase prior to getting onto the bar and then using the regression of the exercises that you can effectively execute and moving yep. through things that way. So exercise order kind of comes back to whatever problem you're trying to solve. Same, same mm. as, as, a physique yeah, athlete, a focal, just the problems the focal are different.
1: point of the program in it, it's the focal point of the workout. Yeah. That really dictates what the order is. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Personal bias is the same. Um, yep. You see that even more in, in powerlifting.
1: <laughs> than anything else i think even like i probably see it the most in powerlifting like even from the outside because i'm obviously like not that active inside it but like to the programming style yeah like you see that heaps it's mm. like you know like see people like just always doing singles and shit yeah like when they don't need to it's like what are you doing yeah like, Why are you doing I just competed two weeks ago like yeah yeah put your wraps on and <laughs> test your triple yeah okay yeah, yeah it's um, like oh yeah just uh, came off the weekend and i'm testing my single again so that
0: yeah right cool. even even like less than that just like little things like does your athlete psychologically and or physically like top sets with a back off do they like mm. ramp sets and hitting a top set on their fifth like their top weight on their fifth set do they want to just do the same weight for five five sets um how does that work for them like we have got to remove that yeah. bias of like oh well i like doing singles yeah. and back offs so that's what I'm going to do with all of my clients. Like, yeah, but what if your clients don't like that? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting world yeah. to kind of dive down there as well.
1: Yeah. Knowing your athlete, knowing your athlete and being willing to have, what's the whole, like the difference between like a coach and a trainer is like a trainer just enforced as a method and a coach has multiple styles or multiple yeah. methods yeah. with a style. Yeah. Within the, yeah. Like, yeah Yeah, of course yeah that's it yeah you should be able to work with the same demographic for the same outcome in multiple ways yeah it's like just because you work like just because like uh you know jason works with people who like want to transform their body lose fat build muscle whatever doesn't mean they all do the same thing it's like yeah you're You're not the same person you operate in the same fashion yeah it's like yeah we adhere to the principles in the same fashion Mm -hmm. but the way we do them is like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like a density model? Do you like high frequency? Do you like this? Do you like that? You know, I think that's a really important thing to understand as a coach. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. And even just the, the psychology yeah. behind that is so important too. Like, can someone commit to the, the process that you're, you're asking them to do? Because if they, if they're not psycho, psychologically bought into it, you're wasting your time. Yeah doesn't matter if if your method is better if they don't do it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: awesome. yeah, yeah that's useless. yeah definitely yeah um, yeah i think you got, got was, past the banter you would have got some really good notes.
0: <laughs> i feel like if they got to this point they've made it they made it through they might they might have skipped to the the uh, um timestamp uh so screenshot share to your Instagram story at STC fit underscore learning at Ben Scott STC fit STC, sorry. Uh, at Jason Gilear underscore STC as well. Just STC. I haven't done this for a while. Uh, yep, if yep, you want to yep, go yep, got ch- that, yep. If yep. you want to go check out these articles, you can go to at STC fit underscore learning, hit the link in the bio and then click articles or if you're old school, you can open your web browser and type in medium.com forward slash STC fit and our articles will come up as well. But I know you guys won't do that because there's too many taps. It's much easier to just tap two times. And also find on stcfitlearning.com learning.com, Ben. Yes, they are on there. Yeah, which is the link in the bio. Too many clicks, too many things. <laughs>
1: yeah. Less things better. <laughs> yeah,
0: we, ev- we are everywhere. You will find stuff uh don't forget about our youtube channel as well if you guys um i don't know why you'd want to watch us do this but hey if you're watching give us give us a wave uh but we are also putting up uh just short clips from seminars and educational clips and also releasing a lot of these uh articles that we're we've been putting out as like mini seminars with slides and unpacking them a little bit more for you guys as well if you want to jump onto those so um, some free resources there as well. Yeah. st at STC fit for online coaching inquiries. I think we're good. Awesome. Yep. We'll come it. back next time. We'll talk about um, progression, regression of exercise and maybe some reference signs as well. Sweet. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Thank you everybody. All right, guys. Thanks for we'll tuning in. Time. See you next time. Bye.